Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Good morning, North Main. Uh, if I've not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Matt McCarry. I'm a member here. Uh, my family and I have been with you for uh, about four years now. Uh, so it's been time flies, and uh, as always, I'm excited to be here with you this morning. I'm excited to be uh, preaching with you in this new year. We get to uh, start out a new year, and we're looking in uh, this whole year on the idea of kindness. And so I'm excited about that because uh, it's something that our world desperately needs right now. Uh, if if you haven't noticed, uh, if you've been to like any shopping plaza, I mean, I, anytime I stop into Walmart or someplace else, uh, the it seems like the uh, default position is anger. Uh, you know, everywhere you look, you know, you don't see a face. You know, it's just like the cashiers are angry to be there. <laughs> I'm angry to be in line. The people in front of me are angry, and it's just this idea that anger and being upset um, and not treating people with kindness has kind of just become the norm. Uh, and this is not just something that I've noticed. It's actually uh, something that people are starting to take notice of across the whole country. There's been a lot of articles recently in the news where they're showing that there is a huge spike in um, people being disruptive in shopping plazas, so people um, attacking uh, cashiers and attacking employees. Uh, there's a huge spike of people disrupting places, like ripping things off shelves. Um, there's a huge spike in people being kicked off of airlines and off of uh, other you know, public transport. Uh, kindness is not what is happening right now across our world. And uh, so it is something that we desperately need, and it is something that the Bible talks a lot about. And so this morning, we're going to dig into it. We're going to look uh, at kindness talked about um, from the book of James. Now, if you're not com- uh, familiar with the book of James, it is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. I was thinking about this this week when I was trying to plan it up, and I, my five favorite books of the Bible are Luke, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and James. And uh, James is just such a fascinating read, partially because of who wrote it. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the book, it was written by James, who is the brother of Jesus. And his perspective on Jesus is completely different from every other disciple. It's different from Paul, who wrote in the New Testament, because he is Jesus' family. We see uh, through his life that he made a lot of decisions that he regrets. You see that in the book of James. You can kind of read between the lines and see that um, from experience, he's trying to warn people. He's saying, I did some of these things, and, uh, and it did not go well, or it would not have gone well for me, and I, I learned from my mistakes, and I want to see you do that as well. James is fascinating, again, because if you remember last year, we preached on Jesus' family and about how uh, family can be troublesome. Even Jesus' family had its issues. One of the uh, instances in Jesus' life was that he went to his family and gave them his message. It says in the Bible that he went to his family, his relatives, he preached to them his message, what he was trying to give to the world, and they rejected him. James was one of those people. So James flat out rejects his brother, 
And then we see later on in Jesus' ministry, uh, the experience, I, I actually preached about this last year, um, we see that his brothers and uh, his mom go to try and gather him up, try to have him basically declared insane and brought home during his ministry. James was there during that. And we see uh, at his crucifixion, Jesus on the cross asking one of his disciples to take over as a son for her. James was probably there for that, seeing his brother pass over him. We see this very interesting relationship between James and Jesus. And yet James goes on to become a leader in the church in Jerusalem along with Peter. He becomes one of the founding people in the church with Peter and Paul. He writes throughout the New Testament, and uh, he, he brings a lot of people to Christ. And his perspective is totally different because of that, because he had this rejection. He actively worked against his brother's ministry, going to try and collect him, and then later was convinced of who he was and was transformed. And so we see, unlike the disciples who had a moment where they decided and then became, they had their issues where they swayed back and forth, they had their doubts, but James has this new perspective where he, once he decides, he is full in. He realizes his mistake. And so he gives these really cool passages where he doesn't really, he doesn't give anything flowery. He says, here's where I was and here's where I'm now and here's where you should be. And so we're going to look at that because he talks about kindness. And he talks about kindness in the form of communication, how we communicate with other people. And so we're going to look at this. Um, this is in... James 1, 19. I'm going to read through this passage here. It says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and hum humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and you do what it says, and you don't forget what, you're, what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. There's a lot to unpack in this, because it's very convicting. It's funny that he says not to get angry and that the anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And yet whenever I read that, a lot of times I am almost provoked to anger. I'm like, James, who do you, who do you think you are, right? You know, like calling me out in that because I feel called out. I feel called out a lot of times when I read through James um, about he's the one that says that your uh, faith without works is dead, right? And I'm like, oh man, James, you got me again. <laughs> Because he doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. He says, listen, I've been through this, and I was against my brother, and I realized that I was wrong. James is actually one of the reasons uh, that my faith is where it is. 
Uh, there was a time in college wherever I was really struggling. I was going through uh, training in ministry. I was going through theology, and I was really struggling about where I felt and where I sat. And James, his undeniable, his, the fact, his life, what happened, his transformation, was like there was nothing other than supernatural that changed James. And when you look at how he reacts to people where he says, listen, you have to listen actively and change your heart. It's so inspiring. Um, but like I said, it's sometimes troubling whenever we're reading it because we see ourselves in James a lot. The key point today that we're going to look at and, uh, and as we start to dissect this passage is that listening is the first step in true communication and it's an active process. See, the truth of it is, is that in our culture where anger has become the default, where our way of trying to communicate has become aggressive, uh, when we try to tell people about things, it's become combative, right? Uh, when I, I want to get you on my side, I'm going to scream at you. I'm going to yell at you. We see this across, I mean, heck, we, this weekend, we finally got a speaker elected, right? <laughs> because they couldn't stop yelling at each other. Our, our government broke into a, a circus over the past few days because they could not communicate effectively. This is pervasive. And one of the things is that listening has completely disappeared from how we communicate. And that's not how Jesus pictured his people behaving in the world. See, communication is a two-way street, and listening is the bigger part of it. And not only to each other, but kind of determining this, uh, this ability to listen in our lives, building that up, building that uh, habit of listening, not only benefits our everyday life when we interact with the people from, from our lives, but it also benefits us in how we interact with Christ and how we interact with God. And James realizes that because he starts out his passage talking about interacting with others, and he says, hey, this, this thing, listening, is also going to benefit how you interact with God if you actually do it. So our, our, first, our second point, I guess, the first point here in this is that listening helps you process information, get new perspective, and quench anger. See, James knew this. This is uh, a little bit of psychology behind, um, behind listening. Uh, whenever I was at Grove City, not only did I, did I get a degree in, in theology, but I got a degree in psychology because uh, a lot of people, they don't see those two as mixing. Sometimes people tend to think that they are the opposite. There's a big Christian movement against psychology, actually, at the moment. Um, and yet I found it so fascinating how when you look at the study of God's creation, you see God. <laughs> and how we process things and how we think things and how we go through things, you see God because he's the one that created us. And so um, when you actually just break down the process of listening, um, you see all the benefits that it actually has. Like I said, it gets you to process information. We can take the example of our two political parties right now. There's a, there's a process in psychology called groupthink. Um, there's also uh, something called group polarization. And those two go together. What ends up happening is when groups refuse to listen and they only speak, specifically when they only speak to each other, 
then their views become more and more and more extreme within this vacuum of who they are. And we see this happening right now in our two political parties. And really what it is, it's to the detriment of the groups themselves. And when this happens, it happens not only in political parties, it can happen in churches, religious organizations, it can happen in other things, that when they refuse to listen to any kind of outside sources or any people from other ideal groups, then they start to just talk to themselves. And what I'm, if I have an idea, even if it's an insane idea, if I find three other people who agree with that idea, and I say, well, I'm not talking to anyone else other than these three people who agree with my idea, what ends up happening is we start agreeing more and more and more and more and more until we can't see outside of our own ideas. And this is happening right now in our country. If you're honest with yourself, like there's this idea that everyone, that I listened to a pastor the other day, and his exact words, this is an exact quote, is that, Anyone who is a Democrat in this country cannot be a Christian. That was his quote. This is a person who has millions of viewers on, on uh, social media. Cannot be a Christian. That is a perfect example of group polarization and groupthink. Where this person is so consumed by this one idea and only speaks to people within this one idea group that they cannot even imagine outside their own group. Well, here's the truth, is that when you begin to listen to things outside your own group, that doesn't mean that you have to change what your idea is. If your idea is sound and built on good theology and is the truth, then guess what? Listening to people outside shouldn't shake it. If I know the truth... If I have the truth in my hand and I hear someone speaking a lie, that's not going to corrupt my truth. It's not going to corrupt what's here. But what it will allow me to do is it will allow me to understand why they believe the lie. It lets me process their information. It lets me get new perspectives on what's being said. When this person who has radically different ideologies than me comes to me and says, well, you're wrong. And I say, okay, well, I'd like to hear why you think I'm wrong. And guess what? At the end of the day, in our conversation, we may never come to a place of agreement. But I promise you, if it's done with love and respect, that we will walk out of there in a much better place than if we had just said, well, you're wrong and you're wrong. See ya. And so what happens is James knows this. He says, listen, you have to listen to people. You have to be quiet. And that's so hard, especially with social media, because social media is the opposite of it. Our world has switched from being in person to being online. And we see this happening in uh, this, this idea of this group think is actually um, expounding because of online communities. If I get onto the same chat group every single day and it's formed by people who have the exact same ideas as me and I never talk to anyone outside that group, the same thing is going to happen to me. And I'm going to have such a warped view of the world because I'm going to have no other idea what is outside. And so James, he hits this home here and he says, right at the beginning, he says, understand this, dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen Slow to speak, slow to get angry. He goes on whenever he says down at the end, he says, if you claim to be religious but you can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. 
That's hard. See, the way that we want to communicate, and because of things like social media, because of things like the way that our political system works right now, our way of communicating is shouting. Even when you type it out, I know that it doesn't seem like it, but whenever I post something on my Facebook or on my you know, Twitter or whatever, it's basically just me shouting out it to the universe. It's not me listening. And so what we end up doing is everyone is just shouting everywhere in every direction. And as Christians, we're thinking, why is this not working? Why are we losing record numbers of people from, from the faith? Why is this year lower than last year in the people who have received Christ? For the first time in a long time, we start to see numbers going down. Because our communication is lost. And we talk about this idea, that the last point in there was that it quenches our anger. When I start to talk to somebody, and I listen to them, and, I, I, and I'm actually listening, not just trying to form my next thought to, to say to them, that's, that's called active listening. So when you're doing active listening, you are participating in the conversation in such a way that you are hearing what the person says, you're internalizing what they're saying, you're processing that, and then you are shifting your thoughts and your words in response to it. That's much more difficult than ignoring what they say and thinking about what I want to say next. But that's what James says to do. He says, listen, that's what I was doing. This is James speaking from a personal place. He's saying, I was speaking at my brother, and I wouldn't listen to him. I went to him while he was in ministry, and I tried to bring him home. I was shouting at him that he was wrong. Can you imagine the amount of guilt that James must have had to live with? That thought popping in his head. I can imagine him thinking that as he's writing this. He's like, just please, just be quiet. He's like, I wasn't. I was shouting my opinion at the God of the universe. There's nothing more humiliating than that. And so when we look at this and we see it, we say, okay, he's not just a guy that's speaking from nowhere. He's a guy that's done it. He's experienced it. And he's pleading with us to not do the, next, to not do the same thing. The next point is that silence isn't the same as listening. As I just said, it's very easy for me to just be quiet. It's very easy for me to uh, just shut down when someone's speaking and, and be thinking in my own thoughts or to say, well, that person's dumb, so I'm not going to listen to what they say. Or this opinion is dumb or they're wrong. There's a lot of times whenever um, I've had to listen through things that have made me feel uncomfortable. I remember one time whenever I was um, in youth ministry and I had a youth who attended our youth group because of some of the friends that this person had in our youth group. And uh, this person was a devout Catholic. And uh, so it, it led to some really interesting conversations, you know, honestly. And it was really, really cool because I learned some things and, and they learned some things and it gave us an idea. But there was one time where we were sitting there and this person uh, said just right to me, they were like, um, you know, if I'm just being honest, I think you're going to hell because... You, you, don't, you didn't do this, this, and this. And I said, <laughs> if they, you talk about anger, right? You know, just like popping right up, just flaring. And I had, to, I had to quench that. And I said, listen, I want to talk more about this. Why do you think that? Let, let me listen. And you know what the listening was is that that's what he had been taught by several people in his life, people that he 
valued, people that he saw as mentors. And so what was my reaction, had my reaction been, you're wrong and you're dumb. <laughs> I could have, I could have, I mean, if we're just being honest, I could have destroyed this, this person theologically. I had years of, of practice and study, and this person had just, was regurgitating something that they had heard. And I said, well, that's an interesting thing. And, and guess what? At the end of the conversation, we didn't agree. <laughs> he still thought I was going to hell, and I didn't. And how I ended... <laughs> How I ended that conversation was I said, well, you know what? I'm just really glad you don't get to make that choice. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that was how we ended it. And he kind of chuckled, and, and that, was, that was it. And, and the thing that was cool about it was that that person continued to come to youth group. It didn't end my relationship with them. It didn't end it. And this is not, trust me, I have not always handled every situation perfect. I always, I try to pull out examples where, where in my own life I've seen this happen, but there's been plenty of times where I felt, you know, insulted or I've, I've gotten um, offended by something that someone said and I've just either walked out or I've said, you know, you're wrong and I can prove it, you know, and, and I've attacked in that way. But listening is not just me shutting down and letting this, you know, guy set whatever he wants. It was me engaging in him and finding out, hey, this is why he's saying what he's saying and what he believes. And now I can know him a little bit better and our conversations can be a little bit deeper it can be a little bit more real. I have a little bit more play in his life. He actually thinks that I care because I listened, which I did. I did care about him. It leads to a lot. Listening is such a huge, huge witness to people. The last point is that God doesn't need us to defend him. This is a tough one. And you might be thinking right now, you might be thinking, I don't know if I, how I feel about that. Because you may have heard your whole life, oh, you know, have a defense for your faith. Or you, know, you need to defend the faith. And right now, the, the language in many church is that of combat and of war and of fighting and defense. Which is biblical, but not when it's aimed against people. It's biblical when you talk about that in spiritual sense, but not whenever I'm saying I'm going to be combative against people who don't agree with me. See, the Bible tells us that the very rocks, we're going to read some verses here, will cry out. The very creation of, of what God made cries out to who he is. And so if you think to yourself, well, if I don't shout in such a way, if I don't defend God in such a way that, you know, he won't count me as his, as his um, child, right? This idea that, that he needs defending. And, and what's really cool is that we're going to read in a second a passage from Peter. And Peter is, a, is the disciple um, of Jesus Christ. And, and when Jesus is being taken uh, by the Roman soldiers... Peter thinks that he needs to defend Christ. And Peter pulls a sword and he cuts one of the Roman soldiers' ear off. And what Jesus does in that moment is he rebukes him, Peter that is, and he heals the Roman soldier. He puts his ear back on. Because he says, I, I don't need you to do that, Peter. I don't need you to defend me. I don't need you to do this. This is part of my plan. And we see Peter's life is transformed, and this is a verse in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3.15. It's so amazing 
This is the same man who pulled a sword, cut a Roman soldier's ear off, and this is what he says now. He says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord in your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. This guy who literally was willing to, he was going to kill anybody he needed to to defend Christ. And now he's saying, listen, I was wrong. The way that you defend Christ is through kindness. The way that you defend your faith is by treating people with love. It's through self-sacrifice. It's by giving. And we see him say right there, he says, um, be gentle and respectful. Some of the versions say here that if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to defend it. Uh, The NLT changed it to explain it. Uh, I think the idea is the same. I think a lot of times as Christians, we take that word defend and we internalize it and we say, well, if someone disagrees with God or he, he doesn't accept God, then I must fight for God. And what's interesting is that we see this again. Um, we see uh, in, pull it up here in Luke, in Luke 9, 51 through 54. It says right here, it says, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resoutly set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. And when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went to another village. See, the disciples, they wanted to defend Christ. They said, they rejected you. We came into the village, we, pro- we told them who you were, and they rejected you. So they deserve to be burned up. That's what, that's what we want. That's what we as Christians a lot of times want to do. We want to say, these people reject them. These people, in, and we look at you know, people in politics and we say, these people are rejecting Christ. They deserve death. And it's like, yeah, we all do. That's what Jesus says. He's like, yeah, then you're realizing it. Yeah, they do. You do. We do. So what we should be praying for is not death. It should not be to defend in that way. It should be for life. As Angela was speaking, to choose life, we should be actively praying that those people choose life. And guess what? Our combativeness, anger, fighting against, that does not point them to that choice. Because when they see that, all they look at is a person who is so different than what we're claiming that we should be. Gandhi has a uh, famous um, quote. He said, uh, he's talking about Christians, and he says, Christians, I really like your Christ, but I really don't like your Christians. He said, if your Christians were more like Christ, then I'd be more interested in your religion. It's just this idea that we think we have to stand up and, and defend him in such a way and to be angry and to be, take offense. And he says, that's the opposite. It's not at all how you need to be. We'll close up by reading a couple more verses here. In Luke, Luke 19, 38 through 40. It says, 
Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. This is what the uh, disciples were declaring of Jesus. And it said, but some Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying that. But he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. So he's saying, yeah, they should. We should be proud of our faith and we should be willing to proclaim who he is. But he's saying, I don't need them. He's like, I don't need them to worship me. He's like, everything you see is screaming out to me, is what Jesus was saying. And so I think a lot of times, there's, we tend to want to lessen who God is by building up who we are in this idea of how we interact with the world. See, my goal in my life is to paint a picture much like James was trying to do, is to say, listen, I believe what I say. I am supposed to love you, and so I'm willing to engage and listen and hear and talk. It's not going to change what I know is truth. But that's how I build relationship with you, and that's what I'm called to do, is to build relationships so that you can know the gospel. And how does God say that we would know the gospel or that the people in the world would know the gospel? is by how we treat other people, how we love one another. I think about this even down, this idea of kindness, even down to cross-denominationally, across different, you know, forms of that. Like, we can't even get along with the other churches a lot of times in our own town. There's an idea of, even this idea of, oh man, this person went over there, they stole them from us. I'm, I'm hoping that they don't do well. They're really growing. I wish we were really growing. That's bad. That's not bad. <laughs> People are getting to know Christ. There's some maybe internal thinking that's going on. What's God moving in our own lives? Doesn't mean we just sit back and not question what God wants us to do. But when we look as people in the world, as our mission field and brothers and sisters in Christ, then it changes from being combative and defensive. And it becomes about building bridges and active listening, breaking down this group think. Because guess what? A lot of times when I engage with other people, brand new ideas that I've never thought of pop into my head. And a lot of those are really cool. Things that I never thought about. Things that I never saw in before. And people show me God in new ways. So it's interesting. There is a lot in that. I think it can be scary. I want to end with this. Is I think kindness, this idea of jumping out the way James wants, can be very scary. Because we think to ourselves, well, if I, if I go out into these other people, if I engage with these other people, then I may be swayed. I may be, I may be, they may teach me something that's not right, or I may learn something that's wrong. And that is a risk, right? It's there. And that's why I, myself, and Pastor Brandon tell you over and over again, be in this word. Be in this word. Know it. Know it. I listened to a a sermon this week, and it was from uh, Pastor uh, named McCarthy, and uh, he spoke about the armor of God, um, putting on the armor of God in combatants to the, to the devil. And one of the things that really sat with me that I was very interesting, I don't know, it just was the way he framed it, talked about how the devil controls this world. It was given to him. It, it was said that, that he, was, he was the prince of this world. That doesn't mean he won, 
but it means that he's in control. And so our thoughts of fighting against it in the sense of our, our like the way that we want to think of yelling or, or winning in that kind of sense, it won't work because it's, it's fighting a losing battle in that way. But what will, work, what will work is the opposite, is submitting to God and allowing him, because he's already fought that battle and won it. We're trying to fight a bot battle that's already won, it's already done, and he doesn't need it. He doesn't need our fight in that way. And so it's very, very interesting. And so one of the things that I encourage people is, yeah, dig into this. And what McCarthy said in his sermon was that the only way we can really protect ourselves in this world is if we are good with Scripture. He talked about Jesus going up against um, the, the devil in his temptations. And about each time when the devil tempted Jesus, he rebuttaled him with Scripture. And that wasn't just a overall scripture, like a, a broad sense of scripture. He had specific scriptures that he could say, no, this counteracts what you are saying. And so I encourage you, like I said, break out. Try to step out. Maybe you've never had a conversation or maybe there's somebody who you just can't stand. This person is constantly saying this. They have such different views than what you are. And you just, you never want to talk to them or you always get into a fight with them. What would it look like to try and actively listen? I'm not saying that you have to like what they say. I'm not saying that you have to accept what they say. If they're wrong, they're wrong. But breaking down bridges, being a person who is willing to submit in that way, be humble in that way, so that you can win them, so that you can be truth and light. That's what James wants us. That's what Jesus wants us to do. And so that's what I encourage at this point, I would call the, uh, the worship team to come on back up. No matter where you are, this should be a, for me, it's a, it's a point of excitement. I know a lot of times I feel convicted when I read something, and, and that can have the tendency to sometimes get us down or make us um, paralyzed with some fear. But for me, uh, this idea that we are, we are this, organization in this world of blackness that has the opportunity to look different. That's so cool. You think about what everyone in this world is striving toward. They want to be accepted. They want to be noticed by people, to be known for who they are. And we have this chance to be known by God and to then let the world know that they can as well. To be this light in darkness, to be kindness to people, Again, I, I guess I frame it that way because I think sometimes we can look at it as a burden uh, to be kind because it is harder. It's harder to listen. It's harder to, to silence our tongues and to control them. And yet, a lot of times, when it's all said and done, I feel so refreshed and rejuvenated after I've had an opportunity to engage with someone in this way. When I've had the opportunity to uh, be kind to someone, it changes my whole day. I'll end with this one story. Um, I was driving. I, I do a lot of the driving for, um, for work. And I was driving down into Pittsburgh. And I got to this place where everybody was merging over. And they had one lane blocked down. And um, this person came up 
the one side of the thing. We had all merged over, you know, and this person came up the one side, you know, all the way to the front. If you do that, uh, you are wrong. Um, and <laughs> and, uh, it makes everything slower and everything go bad. Anyways, um, so I was sitting there, and uh, this person pulls right up, and I just thought to myself, I was like, and they start etching over, and I got angry instantly, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what, what makes you better than me, right? You know, like, why do you get to do this? And, uh, and I thought to myself, I was like, what, what difference does it make? Right? What difference does it make? And I stopped and, and I let them in and I calmed and I said, I don't know anything about that person's life. And I think about myself where there's been times where I, I have Crohn's and I've, it's been an emergency. I need to get to the front of the line, right? And, and they don't know that. And it's just this idea where I stopped and I didn't really get a chance to listen to them speak, but I almost, I listened to them in the sense that I tried to, in my own mind, put myself in their shoes for a moment. And maybe they were just being, you know, selfish. I don't know. But it quenched my anger. It gave me a chance to stop. I didn't feed the anger. I didn't throw logs on it. I didn't throw gasoline on it. I just stopped it. And for the rest of that day, I was okay. And it didn't bother me. Whereas sometimes if I had, if I'd stuck with that, if I'd really stuck it to them, I know for the rest of the day, it would have been in the back of my head, just like, oh, the nerve of that person, Right? But God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to give those things up to him. So I encourage you to do that. Find that freedom. Find that kindness. Would you join me in prayer? Dear God, we just lift you up. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. The fact that even James in his opposition to you was still brought into the fold, was still given responsibility was still given a place in the kingdom. God, you have a place for each and every one of us. God, you want us to produce fruit in this kingdom, fruit of the spirit, this kindness and love and joy. You want us to be a source of that for other people. And God, we pray that over our lives. We pray that we choose those things in the moment when we could choose other things. We pray that in the moment when we want to spread anything but kindness that we stop and check ourselves that we listen to the urging of the Holy Spirit rather than our selfish nature God we pray those things from the bottom of our hearts earnestly asking you to transform and reshape us daily as we take up our cross and try to live like you God we lift you up we praise you for who you are in your name we pray Amen Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.